0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to The Vest. I have a special guest on with me tonight with DJ Hines, a disc golfer, local man from Clanton, Alabama, friend, family man. He's just one of those guys that you want to be around. Uh, He loves sports. He loves everything that he does. So, DJ, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit.
1: What's up, Ryan? What's up, everybody out there? Man, thank you so much for having me on. It's funny, man, I had been uh, just kind of messing around with my friends for a year now wanting to do something like this, and I'm kind of glad you just stumbled upon you doing your your best podcast and and been listening to it ever since you started throwing that out there, and so super excited to be on the show with you today, man. Um, A sports aficionado, I would call myself. I'm uh, originally from the just north metro Atlanta area, Cartersville, Georgia, Trevor Lawrence, if you know him, hometown we share, um, and so I'm Atlanta, Georgia. Everything, um, but I also watch a lot of other sports too, and I, I'm in the game a lot. So, uh, but yeah, man, thanks. Glad to be here, and looking forward to to getting this thing popping.
0: So, DJ, I know you're not necessarily military, but you work with the military on a daily basis. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, I am a civilian program manager um, here, local in the Montgomery area uh, at Gunner uh, air force base, which is an annex of Maxwell. Um, so I am an it program manager. Basically I manage a bunch of smart people who do the coding and development and, uh, they give me all the money and say, go make great things happen. So I keep us on the, the, the the core three words that cost schedule and, uh, performance. Um, and so if I do that, I keep my job and I've kept it for seven years now. So I guess I'm doing all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have to say you're doing all right. Um, I know you've been doing a lot of great stuff in the community, especially up there in Clanton with the um, park project and making the, the disc golf course up there better. Um, And you actually just renamed it recently, correct? But this past May.
1: Yeah. 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 So um, we just renamed the park, uh, the peach city disc golf course. um, And that's at our local Clanton park. And then we also have our, 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 I guess not really satellite course, but our sister course, uh, is Camp One Twenty Seven, Raleigh's place, on their property. Uh, but yeah, man, it's been it's been a wild ride getting into disc golf in you know May of 2020 when COVID really hit and sent us all home, and then just really taking on the lead of getting the league started, doing some events, and just really getting involved with the community. And I mean, that, that's one way me and you connected, which was awesome. And then you know getting to play the course uh, you and your your compadres built down there at Gunner, which is awesome. So. If and when we ever go back to base, I'll have a, a nice little place to go take my lunch break and throw, throw some plastic.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to connect on that one uh, whenever whenever that happens. Um, but, yeah, Brian Jones up there, he does great work with that Camp 127 Raleigh's Place course. Um, what seemed like it was a, a bit rough at first with some of the work that he put in and some of the other disc golfers and their time that they vested in that course, it looks really great right now. Um, it's one of those courses that's just unique with all the elevation changes, some of the tight lines and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely fun to play and, uh, support a great cause that he's putting on out there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and if you don't know Brian Jones, man, go follow that man on, on Instagram and TikTok. He is absolutely hilarious. Uh, he owns, he's the owner and operator of Clanton outdoors, uh, which is an outdoor and sporting goods store here locally for us. Um, But he's also a worship minister at his local church. He's an amateur fisherman on the Bass Pro Amateur Circuit. Um, He plays disc golf with us. And not to mention, he has six kids. Uh, And so you want to talk about just staying busy. And, you know, he helps with the Raleigh's Place Summer Camp every summer, which goes on for six weeks. And um, he is just he's always on the go, but just an incredible, incredible human being, too.
0: Yeah. So, um Speaking of disc golf, how did you catch the uh, disc golf pro tour championship this past weekend?
1: I did. I did. And so for those of you not really familiar with the disc golf pro tour championship, that is kind of the final summation of the disc golf pro tour. Um, they have, oh goodness, I want to say it's 13 major stops along with some other silver series and um, other A tiers that they do support that they build to get points Um, and then they rack and stack them based on their points for the year, Um, and they have a play-in, and then they have um, rounds one, two, quarters, semis, and then finals, Um, and so basically you have in the play-in, you have the top two scores move on to the next, and then from there, it's like 16 disc golfers playing for a chance to move on. Um, But if you've had a higher seed throughout the year, so guys like – Paul McBeth and Ricky Wysocki, they had several buys. Um, but with each round, you increase your payout too. Um, and so they were playing for, man, the between the MPO and FPO fields, um, the Men's Professional Open and Female Professional Open, they were playing for $302,000 in this event alone. Um, and it was awesome. It, it, the, the, on the men's side, it ended up going to a playoff in the final round young guy with team prodigy named Isaac Robinson took on the veteran two time world champ with uh, now with dynamic disc, Richard Wasaki or Saki bomb. Uh, and he took it down in a one hole playoff. Uh, but it was just awesome to see uh, this, this disc golf year has been quite an amazing one to watch um, with Paul McBeth winning his sixth world title had Gannon Burr winning the USDGC. And if you don't know Gannon Burr, man, he is a 16, 17 year old, can't even pop a brewski. Um, and he is out here winning major, major disc golf tournaments for big money. So
0: It, it was interesting. Uh, the tournament that Gannon Bird won, the USDGC last, not this weekend, or this past weekend, but the weekend before. There's another young guy out there. I believe he is still under 21 as well. Um, so it looks like the future is bright for disc golf.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, and, you know, there's another young kid that I, I really follow. His name is Aaron Gossage. Um, Son of Hall of Fame baseball player Goose Gossage um, just got this real dirty mustache uh, and Team Discraft picked him up. And he actually uh, finished second at the World Champions this uh, year and went to a playoff with the five at the time, five time world champ Paul McBeth. Um, But they got him a good one. Um, I even bought, they had a little disc they did with Discraft. His signature disc is his own. And they did this awesome disc with the metal flake stamp that has his mustache on it. And it is just absolutely uh, really cool um, to see the mustache and the mullets are all coming back. You know, the 80s are alive and well here in the the 2022s.
0: Yeah, so looking back on this, um, for those that maybe aren't familiar with this golf and what is out there for you to kind of view it, um jomez pro is one of the premier youtube sites and to see jeremy Colling make it through the the play-in round and actually make it into round one is is a really good site for him because he's been he hasn't really been on the scene that much lately you know well heard of um he used to be really really good i believe he has a world title correct me if i'm wrong uh
1: he has a usdgc title so okay that's what it was this golf champion so he's a major champion, but not a world champion. Yeah.
0: Yep. And he, he almost made it through into the quarters. He missed it by one stroke. Um, and then Aaron Gossage, the guy you were talking about, um, he did not make it through the semis. Luckily he had a buy all the way up until then. So you really just had an easy, um, and unfortunately that can go against you when you're sitting that long, as you found out with the Braves. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But when you sit there and you're stagnant and everyone else is loose and playing the course and, and and warmed up and is knows what's going on with their body and their discs and their flight angles and everything, they have a little bit better of an idea of what's going to happen um, each and every day.
1: Yeah, and it, it goes back, and as we get into those MLB discussions too, but the rest versus rust, right? And like you said, those guys who are, are playing that course every day, they're learning those lines, they're feeling those discs out a little better, uh, they kind of have an advantage. Um, we see Isaac Robinson was a, I believe the 15th seed. So I think he had two buys and then he played um, or maybe one, but again, he went all the way to the finals and almost took it down. I uh, had to go to a playoff. So that shows you, man, that he, he was understanding what the course was doing. Um, but then you think take a guy like Paul McBeth, his first round, he shot the hot round at, I believe like six, seven under, and then comes back the next day and just, just doesn't do it. Um, I mean, that's kind of the beauty, the, uh, the painful thing, but also the beautiful thing about disc golf is one day you just can't have it. And the next day you'll go out there and you just absolutely slay the course and you'll feel like a world champ, even at your local, local, uh, full of par three courses. So,
0: yeah. And you can even tell that in the amateur ranks, you can have a very hot round round one, uh, especially with may of the tournaments going like two rounds in one day. Um, you can have the opening hot round of, you know, 12 under, but if you don't do well in that second round and you, you know, go even or one or two over someone else is going to have that hot round to come catch you. So it definitely is a, a tale of two or two rounds here for Paul Macbeth. He only had to play in the semis and then the finals, he just went one over and he did not look good, especially with the, uh double bogey on 18, which really sealed his fate.
1: Yeah. And, and so a lot of things, if you watch a lot of the disc golf event, and like you said, there's tons of content out there. Jemes Pro, um, GK Pro is another one. Um, and there's a lot of other ones out there that just, just do disc golf content not even like the live disc golf stuff. Um, disc golf pro tours showing it live for you to be able to watch too with a subscription. Um, but like when you see events happen, typically events are about three to four days and then your majors for the most part are four to five um, and so you see in those elite players when they get multiple rounds they're going to correct it and they're going to get it right but like you said if if in an amateur event even if it's a, a B tier and A tier you know you got you know three rounds maybe two and you you got you got to have your stuff all all those rounds if you're going to compete for the title
0: yeah so i don't think there's any more major championships this year i'm gonna take a look at the schedule but i believe they're all done i mean they have the all-stars here coming up in on november 17th um in spain but besides that the the 2022 season for disc golf uh championships are over
1: yeah they'll, they'll take some time they'll go back home they'll work on their game they'll rest relax some of them will flip teams they'll flip sponsorships i'm sure we'll have a big headline videos that come with who gets swapped up or who drops um, that's always the the spicy bit on Twitter and and in the in the disc golf uh, scene and community um, and I know Paul McBeth, you know he moved and bought a house in Florida so he's going to be vacationing there and and then they'll kick it back off again in February where they have the the big all-star kickoff event in the Las Vegas challenge to kind of start the year so kind of have their own version of their offseason
0: yeah, so one of the signings that uh, I know we talked about two weeks ago um, was where is Brody Smith going to end up? The the trick shot perfectionist artist, whatever you want to call him, um, made the transition to disc golf uh, professionally. And he's been up there in, in the rankings. He's been playing pretty well, um, but he has yet to win one. And I don't, I know a lot of companies want to sign him, but he doesn't have one of those marquee wins yet.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I think it it takes time, right? Because he didn't start young like the McBeths or the Wysakis or even like a Gannon Burr who's young and in it, right? It's going to take time. And, you know, we've seen him make those big strides from uh, what he was when he first came, which, you know, people were kind of almost ready to laugh him out of the sport and go back to ultimate. And then this year he really worked on um, his controlled drives and not just being a big thrower on tour. Um, and I think his biggest thing is putting, right? When he's got the confidence going with the putter, uh, he can be pretty deadly. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's going to be a fun thing to watch. We know there was a little bit of beef between him and Paul McBeth uh, a few weeks back. And when Paul McBeth decided to leave foundation and Brody moved his life there, he thought it was going to be the start of something great. And, you know, everyone's got their own endeavors. Um, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting because, you know, the dark horse brand is his, but then the get freaky brand is discraft. So, be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds and where he lands. Um, He he may go, you know, kind of like Drew Gibson and sign with an infinite and be, you know, non sponsorship so he can throw a multi use bag with his guys that he does with the foundation and be able to incorporate more in those videos. So,
0: So let's go on to that topic where we're discussing the rust versus rest Um, as we move into some baseball here. Um, I know you're a big Braves fan, and I was actually pulling for them um, just because my my Red Sox, they kind of just crashed and burned the second half of the year. Um, they seemed like they are in it, and then all of a sudden they just went on a losing streak and could not recover, especially in that AL East with New York and Toronto and Tampa Bay. So three of the teams out of the East actually made the playoffs, so um, trying to survive that division is hard.
1: Yeah, and I mean, man, th- how about the Orioles, right? Uh, they had Adley Rushman, who their catcher rookie guy coming in and really spicing things up. They were above five hundred this year, I believe, and and really just making that division back to being competitive and 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 a superior division, what we've always known it to be back in the days when you had, you know, the Jeters and the Vlad Guerreros and the Ripkins and and all those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rust versus Rest, I think that's something that's gonna be talked about a lot in the winter meetings too. Um, because we've seen three out of the well, no, not, not I guess only two now. Because the the Yankees, spoiler alert, they did win tonight. Um, did go to Game Five, but they did win tonight. They are moving on. But on the on the National League side, we saw the one and two seeds uh, go down. That the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and the Atlanta Braves. Um, and you know, people argue that you get a chance to rest, you get your pitching lineup set, your bullpen. Um, but baseball, man, baseball is a game about just. The team that's hot is going to take off um, like the Phillies are. You know, I think they're up 2-0 on the Padres right now for game one. Um, but those two teams, that they uh, they made a little bit of deals at the trade deadline. They got better, uh, and they've been playing. They haven't stopped. End of the season, I think they had one day, and they, they went right into the wild card, went right into the um, Division League series. Uh, and so it's another in the Champion League series for or a chance to play for the um, – for the World Series. But on the AL side, kind of it held serve New York and uh, the Houston Astros. Uh, both have moved on. So perennial powers in, in the American League. But, you know, it's tough. You, you want to keep playing when you're hot and you don't want to rest when you want to see live pitching when pitchers are throwing what they're doing in today's major leagues. You want to you want to keep playing on a day to day basis.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you say the trade deadline was a a big impact for the um, Padres and for the Phillies. Um, The Padres actually picked up, uh, who was it, Tatis?
1: Uh, No, no, no. So Fernando Tatis was the one who got suspended. Um, So they went out with him. But they picked up Josh Bell and Juan Soto. from Juan Soto, Juan Soto, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, massive bats in that lineup. You're talking about – a, a world series stud when he won in 2019 with the Nats um, and just one of the perennial right fielders in this league. And, and probably one of the best hitters when he's going now, he's, he's kind of having a down year. Uh, but when you ain't got nobody to hit around you in <laughs> nationals park, uh, they're, they're going to pitch you the toughest. Uh, but still that guy's a, a scary individual. when he walks up to the plate and, and already adds to a stacked team over there where they have Trent Grisham and Manny Machado. Um, and then they also got uh uh, jerks in profar and then on the mound they got you know you darvis joe musgrove blake snell i mean that team is just loaded with talent from from all over the place and you think oh okay no wonder they beat the dodgers right <laughs> um and then uh on the flip side the phillies right they picked up uh brandon marsh from the angels guy's been on not been in the playoffs and now he's their starting center fielder and and had a big hit in the brave series um and then the Phillies just playing good. I mean, they they three years ago they invested three hundred million dollars, got Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, signed Reese Hoskins to a long term deal, um, brought up Alec Bohm last year, and it's just it's kind of meticulated itself into what they believe is a World Series uh, run here. So,
0: even picking up a uh, Kyle Schwarber for the Phillies um, that was on Boston and the Cubs. So right, National
1: uh, League leading home run hitter this year. So
0: um yeah definitely definitely some intrigue in in what's happening with washington because they look so good all the time and then they just almost go not self-employed but they sell the farm essentially because you you can name off probably what at least seven eight guys from the washington teams that's on a different team in the playoffs still
1: yeah and and so people always talk about that man Do do you just sell off all this talent and build to the future and you know, I think the one franchise that has done that the most is probably the Miami Marlins. We look back at all the talent they had, and they got all this great young pitching now, but they got nobody to hit. Um, and so, I mean, JT Romuto was their catcher. Marcelo Zuna, at the height of his career, he was there. Um, Christian, uh, not Christian, uh, yeah, Christian Yelich was in yep. center field for them. Um, and so they had guys all over the place playing for them, and then they just they couldn't put it together when they were all there. And then they just decided, oh, well, let's just sell them off and get what we can for them. And that's sadly, that's the business side that the fans don't want to hear. Um, and, and that's a tough place. You know, Miami is built for soccer, not really baseball, in my opinion, just with the Latino community. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think they're going to change ownership again this year. Well, who knows? So
0: I was going to say, wasn't Jeter part of that? Not ownership, but managerial side of that?
1: Yeah, and that that's always tricky. You know, when former players come in and try to get into that side of it, I just think, you know, it looks very different compared to when you were a player. You know, transitioning from a player to a coach I think is easier. Going from player to, like, management, um, that's a little different. But
0: Yeah, it's good to see Man Machado kind of getting some revenge on his former team of the Dodgers. He did play for them about four or five years ago now. Um, before I believe he was traded to the Padres, um, back then, or he took a free agent deal. I can't remember which.
1: Yeah, he took a free agent deal. Uh, he came, it came up in the Orioles, uh, and they just they didn't have the money really to resign him like that big, uh, Padres contract was. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think the tempers are always flaring in that series, the Dodgers Padres, and it was, man. I mean, you want to talk about two passionate fan bases and, and San Diego going back to the, uh, the brown and mustard colors of, of the, uh, of, uh, gosh, the Tony Gwende. Sorry. I couldn't think of it, his name. Um, and just really revitalizing that city, man, you know, uh, they lost the chargers. So and now they all, all they got is baseball there. Um, and so they're, they're, they're behind them. Um, and they're flying high and I know I'm rooting for them. I right, Philly's beat my brave. So I'm all on the Padres bandwagon now. And, uh, let's see the national league take four in a row <laughs> for the world <laughs> series. So,
0: yeah, So then and you already kind of touched on it. The Yankees beating the Guardians tonight, winning the series. Now they get to take on the Astros. And the last time that these two played a meaningful playoff series was in that 2017-2018 scandal where they're beating on the trash cans and tipping pitches and all this stuff. So um, I saw a report actually that the – and I it may have been from the owner. It may have been from um, someone up in general management side of it. But they would have rather played the Houston Astros and lost than having to play the lesser team and having a better chance to win and go to the World Series because they want that revenge tour from that that dreadful season that we all have to remember now.
1: Yeah, and you know it's interesting. This will be the third time in the last six seasons uh, that these two have met in the postseason. So they're very familiar with each other. Um, you know, Houston just seems to reload every year, and their pitching just continues to get better and better and better. And um, I, I, I don't know what time it is that they're they're in the Champions Series again, and probably going to the World Series for who knows how many times. Um, and it's you know, they're always going to be known as the cheaters for a while until they lose a lot of those players, I think. Um, but you got Justin Verlander pitching like a Cy Young yet again, and, and their young staff they got, and their other young players on that on that team. Um, but they're all backed by, you know, the, the shortest guy in the league, the Jose Altuve, the guy with the biggest heart, and one of the biggest bats in the league, too. So it, it's going to be a fun series to watch. I think it's going to be a little more fun than the National League series, honestly, um, because we do have the, the Bronx Bombers with, like, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton, both who went yard tonight. Um, and then, you know, they got guys playing really well, too, um, and then they got their own version of the the dirty stash going on with uh, Nectar Cortez and just what they got going on there in New York. And, and New York's a buzz right now. You know, the Mets did make the postseason first time in a while for them. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about a little NFL today, if not, but I mean, both the Giants and the Jets, I mean, they're, they're killing it. Uh, and so New York is just buzzing right now with sports. Hockey's getting ready to kick off and Rangers and Islanders are always competitive. So it's It's a good place to be a sports fan in New York right now when it's kind of been dormant for a lot of years lately.
0: Yeah, especially with the Knicks. I know they really didn't make that big splash signing this year. Um, I know they're wanting to bring in uh, Kevin Durant and possibly bring in uh, some other pieces to help out up there. Um, But, yeah, hockey's in full swing. Um, My Bruins actually are playing tonight, and they were – playing ottawa they had 11 goals in the first two periods
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a preseason game <laughs> right and it's
0: actually like the fourth game of the season for the bruins right. um and but then I, also I've
1: actually, never attended an nhl game in person love watching like playoff hockey and big matchups and and when they do the, the big outdoor events too um but i've never attended never got to go when the atlanta thrashers were here the, now they're the winnipeg jets but It's kind of on my bucket list to attend a a NHL game. So,
0: I I would highly recommend it. I've been to some of the the lesser games like the AHL and uh, some like this third tier. um, Now I have been
1: up to uh, so in Pelham they have the Birmingham Bulls, uh, which is an amateur hockey team. And dude, my first time going to that game, I caught a puck that flew into the stands. Like, if we were on video right now, I would literally go get it and show you. And it literally says made in Czechoslovakia. And I was like, this is legit. Uh, so, cool experience. And I got that, but that's the only one I've been to.
0: And then the NBA just tipped off tonight. Celtics actually beat the 76ers 126 to 117. Uh, Tatum leading the scoring for the Celtics with 35 points. Is that, was Harden... that
1: open a night or is that still preseason? I believe it is
0: opening night. Okay. Uh, it may still be preseason. Um, I thought it was opening night. I could be wrong. Yeah, you might be right. No, it is opening night. Okay. Yeah, because they they had a record of o and o tonight nice. going into it. So, um, yeah, I got a, I got a little highlight
1: alert clip of uh James Harden hitting someone with the the hezy and the shimmy and dropping a three. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. man, that's a team that has superstars all all over the place, and uh, if they can ever put it together, they might be good. So we'll see. Maybe it
0: is still preseason because it's not registering as a win yet. But, anyways, my Celtics came out with some new uniforms tonight. They had some weird stars going down the side. It's like a darker green. It wasn't like their normal green, so it was very interesting. Uh, maybe I'll I'll add a a link to that picture to um in the ch- uh, link below. Nice. Um So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, James Harden seems like a different player. He definitely definitely lost some weight this year. Um, I, think I don't they know said if it's he that,
1: lost close to a hundred pounds, but I'm like, well, you, you'd be turned sideways he, and disappear. You lose that much weight.
0: I know, right? Like, I I, I think maybe he lost 30-40 max. Okay. But I mean, they put a clip up of him during the game. It had his three pictures from the past three years where he was on Houston in 2020. Then he was on the Nets in 2021. And now he's with the 76ers to be in this year. So he hasn't been with the same team for three years. So something that has to tell you something about the player.
1: Yeah. And so the NBA is always a a cool little free for all stuff when players get kind of in their feelings, I want to call it and, and see where they go. And we're kind of seeing a little bit of that with the drama with the Lakers and the Russell Westbrook situation. Uh, And honestly, not his fault. He's been told he's, they'd like to trade him, and, then they're trying to uh, manipulate how they're going to play him and stuff like that. So I, I can understand his frustration. Uh, he just wants to get somewhere and play basketball. But ultimately, you gotta you gotta put your feelings aside too, man. You gotta work with your teammates because um, basketball is not just a game that one player can can take off and and take the game. So
0: yeah. So let's move into the NFL a little bit. So I don't know about you, but I'm about fed up with these Thursday night games.
1: Oh, man we so uh, there's hope right there's hope I think this week that we have two better teams maybe <laughs> maybe um well, I don't what's the Thursday night matchup
0: Arizona and New Orleans
1: okay yeah no I'm sorry <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think I look and it, it's actually the next week man it, it's it, it took you know they did the week before last so last week we had who we had Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts and then no, it week, was had, uh Chicago uh,
0: bears and uh, let me get back to it. Chicago bears oh, and Washington. Yeah. And then that the was, previous yeah, week yeah, was Indian right. Denver.
1: Right. 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 Okay. Uh, but yeah, that was, I mean, it, they didn't even score a touchdown two weeks ago. And then this past week, they, it took to the third quarter for them to finally get a touchdown <laughs> on Thursday night after, well, I mean, they started with a pretty good slate. They had a uh, Kansas city and uh chargers, uh yep. for their first one so that was good then they had the Bengals and Dolphins and then we had the whole Tua concussion thing which was wild um and, and so they had a couple of good ones but man it has been kind of a laugher lately and and you know Thursday Night Prime they have put some money into this season I mean they got Kurt Herbstreak on the call Al Michaels stole in from NBC um got their own little anthem and stuff I think is absolutely hilarious so they fit with like the gang um but, but yeah, and then they, you know, Richard Sherman, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Gonzalez got all those big names on their, on their their pregame and after show. So they're trying, but the quality of games maybe could be a little bit better pick. So.
0: Yeah, and then the interesting thing here this past week was some of the upsets that just happened. I was, and you kind of alluded to this with, with the Jets, but I'm like, wait, who, where are these teams coming from?
1: Right, man, and you know what's great is like, I love parody in sports. So even at the expense of my own team, sometimes it is so great to see that like Tom Brady's not being dominant this year, right? Maybe there's another reason why, (laughs) hint, hint, Um, go love your (laughs) wife a little more, but, um, but to see teams that we thought were going to be elite, that they're kind of just middle of the road. And these teams that were kind of supposed to be the laughing stock, they came to play. And, you know, these are, these are professional athletes. They're going to go out there and they're going to try and win ball games because that, correlates to money for them um but yeah man it, a lot of parody like i, I mentioned jets and giants are, are kind of both surprises right now uh brian dable's got that giants team and saquon is back baby and i know you're you're a penn state guy right yeah, yes sir i, 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 I yeah.
0: love my penn state and any lions so, though they so did they, not get, it, look well uh this past oh, weekend yeah. we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> we're, but uh, we're not talking about that we're not talking yeah, about but,
1: that. that but uh saquon saquon's <laughs> thunder thighs well they are back and, and, and scoring uh, and the Jets are just a, kind of a young football team, man, led by Zach Wilson and his. Uh, this is his third year um, now, and uh, had a little off-season stuff go on, but he kind of avoided a big-time injury with his menis- meniscus—just um, uh, a little bit of an injury—and almost people thought he was going to be out for the season. But got that team leading the charge, and got Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State, just running all over the place. Um, and so they're, they're exciting to watch in their defense they're flying all over the football robert solid is is a defensive driven head coach so that doesn't surprise me they're playing good defense
0: yeah so zach wilson's only in his second year uh he just oh, okay. got Sorry. picked up last year so uh, he's on his rookie campaign but yeah how about that cornerback tandem out there um with sauce garden gardener and i'm trying to find the other one uh what is his name i can't even find him uh dj reed maybe i can't think of his name but yeah. sauce Gar sauce gardener uh the kid out of cincinnati is absolutely just killing it right now yeah um,
1: and if, if you want a fun clip to watch go watch him put the big cheese head on after they uh <laughs> they beat him uh he's been a shutdown corner and that's what they drafted him for and and if you don't know about sauce he carries his own little different special sauces around his neck and a little necklace chain um so he is he is He's a vibe. We'll just say that. <laughs> he
0: he almost reminds me of a old cornerback that the Jets used to have
1: now, that is now retired, A one Daryl Revis. Oh, yeah, Revis Island. We'll see. I mean, that, that's a lot. It's funny. Cornerbacks can have that one really good year, and then they're just all of a sudden touted as a Hall of Famer. And so, to me, I think that's a little quick, but at the same time, it's like, they're just trying to make those comparisons uh, to give us clickbait and talk. But, yeah, he, he's playing well, man. They drafted him high for a reason, and he, he's living up to the hype. Did not surrender a single touchdown in his entire college career um, when the ball was thrown in his direction. So,
0: Yeah, and I think that was a little bit bold of him taking the, uh, the cheese head and actually wearing it in Lambeau. Like, man, you are taking your own life into your hands at that point. I don't know how, how much security can protect you. <laughs> Oh. But, uh, yeah, the Falcons this past week, they upset the San Francisco 49ers. Rise um, up, baby. <laughs> um, New England with Billy, Bailey Zappi, the well, third stringer out of, I think it's like Western Kentucky, dude, uh, if I'm correct.
1: Mike Jones better watch out. I mean, because this kid is coming out here playing. We all know Bill Belichick. He loves to play that hot hand sometimes, but. But we'll see. I mean, if anything, they've got they've got a security blanket or they've got trade bait. Um, yep. Bailey Zappi has looked every bit of the part. and Yeah, man, my, my Falcons. Love them. Uh, you know, I knew this week we were, it was going to be tough playing the 49ers who have been touted as one of the best defenses this year. They were dealing with some injuries, but we, we capitalized. We had some defensive injuries of our own. Um, but our, our team's just fun. It, you know, love Matt Ryan, hope all the best for him, loved him all those years. But to have something new and exciting and just fresh – it's fun to be a fan of that sports team again um, and to see that happening. So I'm pumped Um, and then kind of, you know, just a letdown the saints. Um, They have really, you know, been told they were going to be the wild card or maybe win the division and, and even Tampa Bay and the NFC uh, South is just kind of, kind of been flipped on its head. And and there's a whole thing going on and and Panthers, they fired Matt rule. Robbie Anderson gets uh, dismissed from the game by his coach traded the same night over to Arizona, um, so kind of a wild ride right now, and the Falcons are in the driver's seat. So,
0: yeah, and it's interesting because you look at um, some of the, the standings here. You think you know Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, those teams should be running all over the place and just demolishing everyone. Yet they're sitting at three and three. Tennessee Titans opened the season zero and two, and they their season looked like it was lost um, with you know some of the injuries they had replacing AJ Brown with a rookie out of Arkansas and Traylon Burks. Um, They're now leading their division, the AFC South after, you know, not having a win for, for three weeks. Um, Kansas city and LA are tied four and two in the West. Like, and then let's not even bring up the NFC East, but they look like giants on the NFC side um, with no other team having uh, three teams over 500 in their division.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's definitely shocking. And like I said, it, it's given these morning and afternoon sports talk shows something to salivate on because they, they probably didn't think they were going to be talking about this stuff. Uh, and let's not forget about those Buffalo Bills too, right? They looked yes. impressive. Um, I, I think they led, lost like week three maybe, and it was kind of like, uh-oh, rails might be coming off, and they've kind of of that shit. But yeah. Some impressive football, definitely the NFC East, man. It's kind of back to its glory days with, with the Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys. Um, Cowboys are in there, too. You know, they got their backup quarterback, Cooper Rush. I know they'll be ready to get Dak Prescott back. Um, Cooper Rush has definitely done a, a bang-up job. But Jalen Hurts, man, and his uh, his growth that he has just had in the NFL and, and Cliff Kingsbury being the quarterback whisperer he was at uh, Oklahoma um, – just really developing in him into even a more uh, passer pocket friendly quarterback. Um, Jalen's just impressed me time and time again. And just being a humble, well-spoken young man too. Um, always looking to do the right things. And so, you know, I wish greatness for him and uh, that, that team is, is playing well. Uh, and they also drafted one of my, one of my dogs, Jordan Davis. So, uh, you know, still hunkering down in the trenches.
0: Yeah, there was a, a video clip of Nick Saban um, talking to a reporter, um, I think it was recently, when he was talking about Jalen Hurts. And he even was talking with Jalen about, uh, because when two was there, and Bryce was, uh, this was before Bryce, when two was there, and he kind of took over that starting position, and he was looking to transfer. He's like, well, I got Miami, I've got this other school, and you know this is why I'm thinking of transferring, because I'm familiar with the offensive coordinators there he's like, what other school do you have? And he's like, Oklahoma. Just, and he's like, okay, well, why wouldn't you go to the one of the schools that has the best pieces around you? And he even told him to go to Oklahoma because the, they had better players. They had the better offense. They had the better scheme for him to grow in. And it was interesting because he even told him to go to Oklahoma knowing that he had the probability to play him in the playoffs later that year. So it's interesting to see that a coach of that magnitude and Nick Saban is probably one of the best college coaches that we will see in our generation. Um, tell one of his players, Hey, and sit down and be like, Hey, go to this university. It's good. The best thing for you. Yes. If I see you on the field, you know, it's going to suck because I know how good you are and how talented you are, but it's for the best. Um, so having that humbleness, to put the players before himself is something you don't often see
1: or yeah, at least and, hear. And Jalen did a lot for that university, right? You know, I know for me, I'm not an Alabama fan, but I was a Jalen fan because I know what he went through and the scrutiny he received from fans and media. And, you know, and college athletes are under so much pressure in today's time. Um, because especially in the South, I mean, it's a religion. It's, it's essentially a cult when you follow a team, um, and you better drink the Kool-Aid and hop on the bandwagon or you'll find yourself left on a tarmac airport, finding your own ride home, um, hashtag Lynn Kiffin for life. Um, but, um, yeah, so, and, you know, I felt the situation maybe could have been handled better, but I'm glad Nick Saban did find uh, the best suitor for Jalen, Um, and then he obviously was very successful there. He was in the Heisman candidacy race while he was there and had his team, um, going towards a playoff run, um, didn't end up in a national championship for them, but he still was one of the best players in college football while he was there and while he was at Alabama. Um, and so, you know, and he kind of got his revenge. It was funny. So, you know, his, his second year at Alabama, when he led them to the national title and then they swapped to Tua in the, uh, at halftime and then second and 26, may God rest my voice that night. Um, Tua wins the game. And then, you know, he's the starting quarterback. And then Jalen that next year has to come back and save them in the SEC championship. Cause Tua is just not playing well. And I believe he got hurt. Uh, and then he comes back and just torches the the Georgia defense there uh, to send us home again. Um, so it was kind of like poetic justice that night, too, I felt. And uh, and good on Jalen for sticking it out, knowing that he wasn't going to be the starter, too. Um, but just, like I said, a great young man, and great to see he's doing great things in the NFL.
0: So let's look forward to the Week 7 games. Um, so we already kind of touched on this one, Arizona-New Orleans on Thursday night. Hopefully it's a better matchup and we see more than one touchdown.
1: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if uh, Jameis Winston plays. I know they've had the kind of the, the Red Rocket, uh, Andy Dalton, uh, behind that offense. Alvin Kamara is back running the football, all that crazy, and and they lost the tight one last week. Um, but uh, it's that St. Defense is not what it's it's typically been, and then and Arizona's offense has kind of been lackluster. They just had Marquise Brown might be done for uh, the year with seizing ending surgery that just broke today. So I don't know something going on with his foot. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, I
0: thought that one was going to be I think it's a four to six week timeline. So he'll be back this season. Okay.
1: All right. Well, that's good for them. They won't have him on Thursday night. Um,
0: (laughs) No, but But they do get DeAndre Hopkins back from his suspension.
1: Okay. So he comes back this week. Yes. Yeah. The six
0: game band. So week six is up and he is back with the Cardinals.
1: Well, that's big for them. And then they just signed Robbie Anderson. Not sure if he'll play Thursday night, short week. Probably not. Um, so he'll be back in the fold with them and give Calamari a little more options. And, and we'll see. It should be good. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully there'll be more scoring. So,
0: And then your Falcons take on the defending, what is it, a, uh, NFC a- champions, AFC, AFC champions yeah. in Cincinnati. Um, how do you think they're going to fare uh, having to go up Cincinnati this weekend?
1: Uh, so I think we'll fare okay. I mean, our defense and Dean Pease is just – drumming up blitzes and one of Cincinnati's faults is their offensive line when they can't protect Joe Burrow that's when that team gets in trouble and so I know Dean Pease will have it drawn up to where we're going to put pressure in his face and challenge and our corners are really going to be challenged because they got Jamar Chase arguably the best receiver in the NFL or one of them Um, and then they also got Tyler Boyd and T Higgins running all over and uh Hayden Hurst who used to be an Atlanta Falcon too at one point I know he's going to be looking to get out there and shine too um but I'll see how they they fare on their defense you know our offense is kind of elite right now um Kyle Pitts got his first touchdown on US soil uh this year last week against the um 49ers so looking to probably get him more involved and and continue to throw the ball to Drake London and and that that RPO game and that option game and And if you haven't seen Marcus Mariota run, boy, he looks fast as ever. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it'll be a tight game, though. I think it will be closer than than most things.
0: Yeah, my my Cowboys get to stay home with Detroit coming to town. And uh, looking at reports, they're hoping Dak Prescott will be the starter for this one. Um, I feel with Dallas' schedule, um, they host Detroit this weekend, and then they host Chicago. I think they can go the next two weeks without him and be fine and let him rest up through the bye week and have him come out against Green Bay um, out of the bye week on November 13th just to kind of give him some extra time for for certainty of health. Yeah,
1: and, you know, the Lions were kind of this feel-good story in the offseason. Dan Campbell, just a player's coach, getting him fired up. and, And, you know, they went one and one, I believe. After the first two weeks, and then it's just kinda kind of back to the same, right? Not being able to to do what they need to do, players being hurt and and just not really having all the talent they need. And and Jared Goff's kind of suffering because of that. But yeah, I think the Cowboys, no matter who's playing quarterback, they take that game pretty easily. Cowboys get back to the running game, that's what they need to do. Run it with Zeke and run it with Tony Pollard, and they'll be just fine.
0: And and the thing is with this Detroit Lions team. If you go back and look at their schedule, they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles by three points. They lost to the Vikings by four points. They lost to Seattle by three points. They're losing all these one-possession games very similar to last year where the team just fought and fought and fought and just lost countless one-score games. Um, So they're there. It's just they need that Jamison Williams to get healthy and come back from his ACL injury. They need some of those people that are injured right now because they have so many people out with injuries. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown, who was electric in their first couple of games. Deandre Swift continually deals with the injury bug. And, and so if those players can stay healthy, they can keep those guys on the field. They got a chance to win some ball games. Um, Like you said, if they don't, then it's, you know, it's, it's a dealer's choice. So,
0: yeah, and then they're uh, DJ Sharks questionable. They have uh, another defensive end that's out with a back injury uh, that just went to injured reserve as of yesterday, um, and he'll miss the remainder of the season. So it's 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 one of those stories with them that they keep losing players left and right, and um, it, it's hard for those fans up there having so many tough years, but at least they're not going to go 0-17.
1: That's right. Well, at least they got the Red Wings in Detroit. So they can look forward to that. And the Pistons, maybe. Eh, we'll see. Eh, I was going to say
0: the Red Wings are still kind of rebuilding. Um, they did pick up a lot of pieces in this year's draft. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Dave, he is a Red Wings fan. And me and him used to go back and forth on that one uh, with me being a Boston fan in the original six. So um, hopefully they'll be back to their normal, you know powerhouse of a team, but I think they still have a year or two before they're going to be really good again. Um, yeah. Some of the other big games that I'm highlighting this week, um, just because it's going to be a, a West coast showdown, LA and Seattle. Um, that'll be interesting to see.
1: Um, yeah. Just and and as- so the story with Seattle, man, Geno Smith, and you know, everyone says, Oh, Seattle knew what they had in Russell Wilson and they let him go. And we kind of see that play out that he hasn't really, hadn't really clicked yet in Denver. Um, but, yeah, Geno's, man, he's got that team exciting. He's got weapons. He's got DK Metcalf, just a freaking stud at wide receiver, Tyler Lockett and some other young pieces, and, you know, Chris Carson retired, and then we had Rashad Penny, and then he went down, and then freaking Kenneth Walker, man. He is just Michigan State product and just running all over the place. So that, that speaks to that offensive line. They're blocking for Geno, and they're blocking for the run game.
0: Now, now, hold up, hold up. Before, yes, he went to Michigan State, but he is a Wake Forest product. He transferred Mm -hmm. from Wake Forest to Michigan State. Um, He was doing things for the Deacons before he transferred up there. He was in the
1: Heisman Talks with...
0: Yes, with the Spartans. (laughs) So, um, He did upset the Wolverines last year, um, so he did put in a lot of work uh, up there in Michigan State. Um, But yeah, it's good to see him coming back. from. He had an abdominal injury earlier this year, which kind of sidelined him for the first few weeks before um, Rashad Penny kind of went down with an injury and really opened up that door for him to have a chance to showcase himself. And ever since he has, he's just been gold. Yeah.
1: And they got some things to build around there too in Seattle, things to be excited about and, and not really just pack it in. I mean, like we said, I mean, the, they're in the what NFC West. And so the yep. Rams don't look special. The 49ers are kind of beat up right now. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who knows what you're going to get week in and week out right now. So they got a chance. They're in their own driver's seat, and they play good football. They might they might sneak into the playoffs. Who knows?
0: Yeah, the other one that kind of is intriguing, which only for the purpose of to see how he comes back, is Miami versus Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. They're slating to It's supposed to come back in this one. I'm still skeptical on that just because of what happened to him. Um, and I'm really skeptical about his future uh he really hasn't been able to stay healthy in the league he hasn't been able to stay healthy even in college he had the hip injury um i honestly don't know if he's on extension i don't know his contract status right now but in the future i think a lot of teams are going to scare away from him because of how durable he is it seems like anytime he takes a a decent hit he's always getting up hobbled or hurt um, yeah,
1: I mean, and that, that's kind of that was his M.O. in college, too, Was that that injury prone and you got to keep them keep him protected. Um, and, you know, like Joe Burrow said it best, you know, we're, we're in this league. We got to take hits. You know, that's part of it. Uh, it's unfortunate when concussions happen and things happen. And uh, but we take hits. We're football players. That's what we do. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett looked great. Um, finally getting more and more reps within the system for Pittsburgh. And, and I think they got their guy, of the future hometown Pittsburgh kid, um, just a lot of moxie, uh, plays the game the right way. And, uh, you know, they got, they got a lot of good players in Pittsburgh So That defense is going to win them a lot of games, but if Kenny Pickett makes good decisions and he develops into the player, they think he will. I think Pittsburgh's got a high, high ceiling. Um, and it's unfortunate because Miami, has this weapons all around with Tariq kill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, two of the fastest guys in the league and we saw it when they were the first two weeks, they were just running all over folks that amazing comeback they had against Baltimore. You were like, man, this team is like the chiefs 2.0 fastest show on turf or something from the, from the back in the nineties. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I I lean towards like what you said. I don't, I don't think he'll play. I think they'll probably play it safe Um, and maybe we'll see him next week.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate for the Steelers though. They have TJ Watt out for the season as well. Um he has a he went had a pectoral issue issue earlier in the season. Um but George Pickens up there has really displayed that those hands um and strength that uh, they baby. had in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, one of your bulldogs up there. Um he he definitely made some uh catches of the year nominations. Um yeah. he definitely is displaying the what could have been for Georgia if he was fully healthy because um, yeah, he true. did have some injuries and he had some rough time in his final year there on that yeah. national championship and run.
1: Young receivers, if you're listening to this or you have a son or a daughter, that's a young receiver, go watch the tape on how George Pickens blocks or how he gets separation. Cause I tell you what, he is a physical receiver and he is going to be in that AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones category. I think within the coming years just because he is so aggressive now hopefully he can just keep getting smart and figure out the playbook more and more because i hear that's a, a struggle for him um but hey he's, he's got the talent and i just see if he can do it for years to come
0: yeah and then finally the monday night matchup which probably will be a snooze fest um new england's taking on chicago new england dealing with some injuries they have mac jones out um, but Ramondre Stevens is stepping up for the injured mm. Damian Harris, and he has just been going off as a former Sooner product. Um, so we'll see a, ba- a battle of uh, first-year, second-year quarterbacks with Justin Fields and Bailey Zappi uh, if Mac Jones does not return this one.
1: Yeah, and Chicago's biggest problem they got a they got a star in Justin Fields, but one you got to protect the quarterback, and two you really need to develop a system around him. One of my biggest things in the NFL is they get these players in and then they go get an offensive coordinator and they say, hey, you're going to fit into our system. When we've seen other teams that are successful, you highlight the skills and the talents of that player by building a system that fits them. Much like we see in Baltimore. um, We see that with with Patrick Mahomes and their wild offense. Um, If you do that, you can truly be successful with these young players and then develop them into more what you might call professional-style quarterbacks uh, as your offense matures and they develop as well.
0: So now that we went through the NFL, let's go into some of the, the big games in college football because I know you're a big college football fan just like I am. Um, and we have some big ranked games this week, not as, anywhere near as big as the Tennessee-Alabama game of this past weekend that actually shook the seismograph from the yelling. Um but we do have some other big games, especially out in the Pac-12, uh, which was where we'll kick it off with the game day location in Eugene with UCLA and Oregon.
1: Yeah, big matchup for the Pac-12, right, with with USC losing last week to Utah uh, with them going for the, the, that two, uh, the two-point conversion to win the game. This really sets the table for these two teams, UCLA and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and that just electrifying offense they got going in L.A. right now is, you know, I think they're going to win. Uh, we've seen Oregon week one, they kind of laid an egg against Georgia in the kickoff, but after that, it, it's almost like it clicked for Bo Nix and that that offense, and and their defense is playing really well there in Eugene, too. Uh, and we know Oregon's going to have the, the cool fits and threads for a game day game, um, but that's going to be an exciting must-watch football game. It's Pac-12, right? Pac-12 finally getting some premier – uh, football games getting a game day site when they've kind of been the laughing stock of, of the NCAA and, and the power five for a while.
0: So have you seen the, the uniforms that Oregon's going to uh, reveal for this weekend? I have not. So they are all black with the like oh. silverish wings on the shoulders and then oh. hot pink numbers and a hot pink. Um, o on the helmet makes for breast, breast cancer, cancer awareness. awareness. Yep.
1: Yeah, it is, it is cancer awareness month. So definitely, Hey, go out to your local clinic. If you haven't get checked, you know, if that you have a history of that selfish plug here for, for, for the non commercial type, (laughs) um, go get checked. And Hey, if if you've lost someone to cancer or if anyone's been affected, I'm sure you have, um, definitely, definitely check that out with your doctor.
0: Yeah. And so with UCLA, um, and I appreciate that plug because there's definitely a lot of women out there that don't get checked regularly, like they're supposed to. And, unfortunately by the time they do get checked it's too late. Um, I had a former coworker and a friend actually have breast cancer and she caught it. Um, and she had to get, uh, some surgeries done to get it removed. So, um, it definitely it hasn't really affected me in the loss of life, but it has affected me with, um, a friend. So that is definitely yeah. one thing I am, um, uh, passionate about and making sure people are healthy and making sure they're good. Um, yeah. but UCLA, um, I think they have two main weapons with Zach Charbonnet, the former Michigan uh running back, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Chip Kelly. Um I think that offense is gonna be electric. Uh I think Oregon's uh egg as you called it, um, was laid because they were going against their former his former team essentially as the coach. So I think Kirby had a, a leg up in that one, knowing hey, this is what he likes to run on defense. So Let's just pick them apart. So, um, yeah,
1: good good on Dan Lanning for kind of riding the ship, though, and having that team, you know, winning out from there. But yeah, I I think you're right. You know, we've seen that with Nick Saban and all his understudies, too.
0: And then Bo Nix, I mean, that kid leaving Auburn. um, And actually, after that first week, I thought, oh, Bo Nix is done and this Oregon team's a joke. Then they just go rattle off five straight, and Bonix has looked amazing in all those games.
1: Yeah, and you know, good good on him. Uh, he he needed to right the ship and kind of get that Auburn, you know, filth off of him, as you will, um, and just fly fast with the with the Oregon Ducks up there. Um, so quack quack to him, and we'll we'll see. You know, they'll have the fits and the threads, but I don't think it's enough to stop that UCLA offense, man.
0: No, so we'll move to the ACC. We have Clemson welcoming in the Orange of Syracuse and Syracuse, the undefeated,
1: is the undefeated
0: Orange of Syracuse. Yes, yeah, six and zero oh, this late in the season for the Orange is is quite and remarkable. La- and ladies as and as,
1: gentlemen, we're not talking about basketball. All right, no, this, this is, is football. N- yes,
0: uh, Garrett Schrader is the quarterback up there. A former, I believe, Mississippi State quarterback um, taking on DJ Uyunglele. Um, so this Ooh-hoo-hoo. will be interesting.
1: Nice word.
0: I know. Right. I actually learned how to say his name. <laughs> um, I think this one will be a lot closer than what people are saying. Uh, the line is for Clemson at 13 and a half. Hmm. Uh, I know it's, it, so and, tough.
1: It's, it's in Clemson or is it in the carrier though? It's,
0: it's in Clemson. If it's in the, is, is uh, in yeah, the orange film, uh, I'd be, I'd be taking Syracuse in the points all day long. Um, yeah. But if I'm just going a line pick right now, I think Dabo has that team wired up for sound um, with the big wins against Wake Forest and NC State. um, And then having that, I wouldn't say a scare in Tallahassee, but they they handled business in Tallahassee in a look-ahead game against Orange. So I think Clemson's going to take care of it in Death Valley.
1: Yeah, I mean... being that much of a favorite, I'm like you. If it was in the carrier dome, definitely, I think we're lurking upset. But don't sleep on that team. Syracuse is playing really good football right now. Um, and they're, they're, there's when you have a team like that that hasn't been ranked or undefeated for that long, they come in and believing in themselves. And the belief in yourself is something that another team just can't go out there and practice against. Right you know, you get a receiver that may be given an extra 5% and he's now he's separating from a corner or you give that running back hitting the hole a little extra harder and he's getting that third and one short conversion. Um, and it kind of just rocks that home team. And in that environment, and, you know, it, it's called death Valley for a reason. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be scary, um, but good for these Syracuse players that are playing so hard got this team at a was seven and zero, I think they are. Um, and, you know, going to be a fun football game, I think. And, you know, maybe we'll have an upset really shake up the playoff discussions as we close in on uh, week. Uh, I think week eight, or we get the playoff rankings week ten. It's one. I think it's. Week uh, I
0: forget when they actually come out. Um, but the last time the Orange beat Clemson was at home in Syracuse. So, but it was twenty-seven twenty-four, and Clemson was number two at that time. What year so was that? Twenty seventeen.
1: Okay, yeah. So that would have been Deshaun Watson, right?
0: Uh, Deshaun Watson, and then they lost a close one to at Clemson 27-23 in 2018. So they oh. have played Clemson close um, the past few years. I mean, there are some blowout losses in there, but 2021, yeah. they lost 17-14. to 14. So I wouldn't pat, put past these orange if they play them a lot closer than this 13-and-a-half point line. Um, uh, I, don't know,
1: I may be taking the points now after hearing that. You know? I may be taking the points, so.
0: I mean, this defense is flying to the ball. They are holding teams, you know, remarkably low for a Syracuse team. I mean, you hear Syracuse, you think, oh, it's a cupcake. Um, but they beat Louisville. They beat Purdue, which has a great passing offense. And then they just routed NC State 24-9. to 9. Granted, NC State was missing Devin Leary due to a, a injury, and he's out for the remainder oh, of the year. yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of one of those, you know, asterisk games. Hey, they beat them, but they're missing their starter. Um, but Gazdin, uh up there, the receiver for Syracuse, has been going all the past four games um, with about 500 yards total in those four games. Oh, wow. So we will move as soon as I get back to the schedule because I've gone so deep into Syracuse here. <laughs>
1: I got one here if you wanna you want me to cue. Yeah, it up go for ahead. You. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so kind of a Big Twelve matchup, the TCU versus Kansas State. You know, TCU just took down uh oh my goodness. Oklahoma State now. Yeah, Oklahoma State, a battle of undefeated. I mean, who would have picked TCU to be undefeated at this point? Um, leading the Big Twelve. Uh the Horn Frogs, buddy, they are they are feeling horny and they are ready for some action this weekend against <laughs> Kansas State. So
0: Yeah, even with um, Max Duggan, I mean, he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year. Um, He came in and filled in for Chandler Morris, which was the starter out of, he was an OU quarterback um, last year, uh, but he went out with an injury, so now he is the uh, favorite now. And I would almost put him in the Heisman talk for his performance this year.
1: Yeah, it's it's always tough for those schools that aren't the traditional blue bloods to uh, to get that Heisman talk. Um, but he's definitely playing well. Uh, he's throwing the deep ball well, and that that TCU offense—if you haven't watched it, man—they just they're all over the place. They're you know, if you blink, you're missing a play because they're moving so fast. Um, and they got some cool threads. You know, they rocked the the dark purple and black, what I thought was for like Halloween, and a little little orange or like a kind of like a flare orange uh, trim that they had going on. Um, but yeah, kind of a surprise win for them to to do what they did to Oklahoma State when people were really really hyping up the Cowboys. Uh, but Kansas State, man, a team that came in and upset Oklahoma this year, um, mm-hmm. and just really Adrian knocked them Martinez. Off and,
0: Adrian Martinez, yeah. the transfer from Nebraska.
1: Yeah, finally got out of the the, the corn up there, and you're, we're getting to see uh, what he's all about. And he's 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 all about the billing, um, and so it's definitely. I think this will be. A, a big quarterback matchup. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a traditional Big Twelve high-scoring matchup. Defenses are just gonna be run ragged. Um, <laughs> they they probably won't be tired because of the giving up so many big plays. Um, but I think it'll be fun to watch as traditional Big Twelve football is.
0: Yeah, and so here's some stats for Max Duggan. He has a nearly seventy percent completion rating for sixteen hundred yards. And he also has two hundred sixty-one yards on the ground totaling for 20 touchdowns so far this season. Oh, wow. So he's he running got this stat that line.
1: All yeah.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say Adrian left the cornfield. He may have left the corn in Nebraska, but he's still in the cornfield in Manhattan, Kansas out in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: um, we'll, we'll move to the big 10 here. We have Ohio state welcoming in uh, Iowa, which is one of the premier defenses, but one of the worst offenses in the nation, that I think they rank in the lower ten um, in all the for yeah. offense. And, so and Ohio
1: State just had a bye week too, so CJ Stroud and and David Smith and Jogbu, they're going to be ready to for action. You know, watching all these other teams play these big games last week and seeing the the mighty Alabama fall, they're they're ready to to pounce on it and try to try to get in back in the number one conversation, uh, which I think they they have the talent to do that. So I think this is honestly going to be a blowout. Um, I think it's going to be over at halftime. I just don't think Iowa's going to get the firepower to one hang with the offensive prowess of the Buckeyes. And then um, I don't think the Iowa defense is going to be able to hold up. So,
0: yeah, the only, the only caveat I have to this is could it be a look ahead game for, for Ryan day and his team, because they have Penn state the following week in happy Valley Um I don't think it'll happen. They have Ohio State as 29-point favorites, and it'll probably be close to that line. I think I have them winning uh, like 41-10 or 41-13, so it's going to be a big spread.
1: Yeah, um, if they weren't coming off a buy, I might bite on that, but just because they got a buy and they've had really two weeks to prepare for this team, I I just don't see that happening.
0: Um, Next up, let's head back to the Big 12 in a – uh, a revenge game for Oklahoma State um, taking on Texas.
1: Yeah, so like we said, Oklahoma State Cowboys got kind of upset by TCU there, um, but I, I am all about the Longhorns. I think Texas is back with Quinn Ewers, who was the the big transfer right as the season was getting started. Originally committed to Ohio State, transferred last minute um, to Texas, which kind of kind of is. Makes you think, man, is Arch Manning really going to come and be a starter here? Um, you know, that news broke that he's going to Texas uh, a while back in the offseason, but it's going to be interesting. Quinn Ewers, I think, if he doesn't get knocked out of that Alabama game, we see Alabama lose a game a lot sooner than this week, just my opinion. Um, good to see that offense back and rolling. I know it was kind of tight for a little bit against Iowa State, um, but they definitely got that offense back and rolling. So,
0: Yeah, and the big issue with Arch Manning coming town is So Quinn sat out a year behind C.J. Stroud um, up in Ohio State because, uh, I mean, C.J. is just, we see he's a good quarterback, and Ryan Day made a good choice. I think I don't think he made a wrong choice. I think either way he went, they were going to be all right. Um, but now uh, yours doesn't have anywhere to go. He's going to have to sit out a year if he transfers, um, almost forcing Arch Manning to sit behind him a year in red shirt. Um, and just kind of get his feet underneath him because he's playing 2A ball in Louisiana, so he's going to have to come up to the speed of Texas and the Big 12 and eventually the SEC.
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting for sure. But, I mean, all these kids nowadays, they think they're good enough to play right away, and the whole NIL deals have just shifted the landscape of college football where I think this is why we're seeing a little more parity in college football, at least in the early goings of it, Um, that kids are going to these different schools because they can get a little more money. They can get a little more advertising, right? Uh, And good for them and good for college football. It makes these other games that are non-SEC games, if you will, that are exciting to watch, Um, gives them a little more, more headlines, but I I don't know. I I think if Texas runs the table and maybe makes it to the big 12 championship under Quinn Ewers, I think Arch Manning's really got some things to think about Um, because no way you're coming into camp saying Quinn Ewers, you're not my quarterback. Right. Um, and so, but they're, they're going to have stock at the quarterback position for sure. So.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And it might not be bad to have Arch sit behind him a year. I mean, if Quinn does have two great years this year, and next year, he's probably going to go to the NFL and just go make his money because this will be his technically third year um, next year in 2023. So he could be gone. Arch can get some, some reps and learn the offense a little bit more under Sarkeesian. Cause that offense is, I won't say it's easy to learn, but he definitely has its quirks. Um, but I agree with you. I think Texas wins this one. I will be right near Stillwater, so maybe I'll hear them, you know, cheering down the road. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to be in a deer stand uh, away from this one. So nice. Uh, but let's go back to the Big Ten before we jump into the Big SEC game this week. Uh, Penn State welcoming in Minnesota, and unfortunate news for Minnesota, we don't know if Tanner Morgan, their starting quarterback, will be playing. Um, He did go down with an injury this past week. Uh, Could be lost for the season, but um, timetable for that is unknown right now, and they still are going uh, through some tests and evals on him to figure out if he's going to play or even be ready for the rest of the season. So I think that's helpful to Penn State, um, even though Minnesota has that gargantuan um line up there that I think they all average like six six three hundred pounds. So um if they draw up a game plan like Michigan did and just lean on Penn State's defense, um I think Penn State might be in for some trouble. But um yeah. I have my thoughts on this one and we'll see what comes to fruition. Yeah.
1: Ski you Ma baby and PJ Fleck. He's uh he's row the boat. Row the That's boat. Right. He's he's always rowing it whether there's water or not. Um uh, yeah. I think Penn state bounces back. I think they realize like, Hey, we got to put a complete game together. They were in that game with Michigan at halftime. And then it's just like, they came around, like, looking like they were chasing butterflies. I don't know. It was, uh, it was kind of shocking. Cause I was like, Oh, Nittany Lions are in this, you know, and ranked number 10 in the country at the time. And so I, I think they bounce back, um, James Franklin, they'll, he'll have them ready to go. And I think, I think it'll be the win for the Nittany Lions and, and, uh, what I'm hearing, too, is Tanner Morgan's more than likely not going to play. Um, and so that bodes well for, for Penn State. Yeah,
0: even if he does play, he's going to be very limited. He won't be able to roll out of the pocket like he does with that play action um, with Ibrahim uh, up there, um, which is a great running back. Good to see he's having a good year um, after that injury last year where he ruptured his Achilles against Ohio State. Um, my thoughts on Penn State is I think Sean Clifford has done a fantabulous job. Of keeping that team afloat and keeping them in relevancy. Um, but I almost think it's time to look to the future. Um, with Drew Aller up there, the five star QB, one of the top five QBs in the nation, um, he has the Ben Roethlisberger style body, six foot three, 230. Uh, the kid can just flick his wrist and throw it 50 yards easy. Um, I think you, you just put him in there, get him up to speed, get some of your other young talent that you've been playing already this year in there, and you just start preparing for next year.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's smart. And it's so tricky with college football, though, because, like, you don't want to just write a guy off. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if we're not in it um, – do we go ahead and start building to the future and let these guys get game experience, big game experience, not just cleanup duty? Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see. I think, I think it'll see how it plays out before they make that decision because they're not out of it, right? It's their first loss. Um, mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah. I definitely think if they win this one and lose to Ohio State, um, they have favorable, favorable opponents the final few weeks, um, where they could play Aller and still make a run at because that at that point, if you have two losses in the Big Ten, you're not making the championship, you're not making the playoffs, um, especially with what's going on in the SEC land with Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss. You have four teams down there that can make it. Um, TCU looks like they can make it. Clemson's a, probably an odds-on favorite out of the ACC. Um, UCLA could make it. Oregon can make it. If they come back, I think there'll be a harder sell, and then USC could even make it back up there. So um I think there's too many teams for them to to overcome and need a lot of help from.
1: Yeah, and I was really wanting to uh, every conference to have an undefeated uh conference champion that way it can make it really difficult for the committee to have to pick. And it's still available, right? We still have undefeateds in the SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac 12 and ACC. So it's still there, but not the teams I thought would be there um for those. So we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah. So let's jump down to the SEC. We have Alabama taking on Mississippi State, coming home to Tuscaloosa, which is probably good for them after being, uh, being in some tough environments. Um, granted, they had Texas A&M at home, but then they had to go to Neyland and take on Hendon Hooker, and we all know the outcome of that one. The goalposts were ripped down. They were thrown in the river. They just got Neyland's <laughs> put back up today, um, so they're good for the. Yeah, they Yeah, they
1: were asking for donations. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> but if there's a video circulating about the university president saying, what do you think about this? He goes, so a cigar and we'll do this every year. If it happens, like, you know, <laughs> so, so he, he wasn't worried about the hundred thousand dollar goalpost and the fine. that's going to happen. So
0: no. Yeah. I'm sure they have that $25,000 fine. That seems to be the, the going rate for storming the field. Um, But Mississippi State comes off a a tough loss to Kansas – or not Kansas, Kentucky. Um, And Will Rogers really didn't look that great. The running game for the the Bulldogs wasn't there. But I think this Alabama secondary coming in um, really helps that offense and and Will Rogers because they love to air the ball out. And that Alabama secondary looked really rugged last week.
1: Yeah, Mike Leach, baby. And, and, you know, I was shocked, you know, because they were really rolling – uh, like you said with Will Rogers, and, and we're throwing the football well. We're running for over 130 yards a game, and really spacing defenses out. And it's almost like they just forgot how to do it in, in Lexington, and it was shocking. Uh, Will Levis kind of dealt with a little injury in that game too, uh, and so they had opportunities, and they just they just couldn't capitalize. But I, I think you're right. I think I think Alabama needs to be careful because they got absolutely exposed, gave up five touchdowns to one receiver. We're, we're used to saying that with a Devonte Smith or a Jalen Waddell. And that happening, Alabama doing that to somebody, but not them getting to them. You know, it's funny. I talked to one of my Alabama friends, and I told them earlier in the season, I said, I am concerned about Alabama's secondary. I said, because they're young, they're untested. And then when you know, they got tested in the first quarter and a half of the Texas game, they were getting roasted. And then Quinn Ewers gets hurt, and then they just have to change their offense. And then they really didn't have any stiff competition uh, for the last several weeks. And then, you know, they were saying, Oh, Alabama's got the best, you know, pass coverage in the SEC. And I'm like, we need to put an asterisk next to this <laughs> because you haven't played elite quarterbacks yet. And Hendon Hooker, hello, news alert, is an elite quarterback in the SEC and in this league right now. Um, and so he torched that defense. And now, one thing I will say, Alabama has looked the most undisciplined under Nick Saban I've ever seen. The amount of penalties. Um, just the amount of missed executions that are happening—it it is kind of shocking. Um, so the, I, this game, kind of to me, is kind of a coin flip. It's in Tuscaloosa, so I will probably favor Alabama a little bit. I don't. What's the spread on that game? You got
0: twenty-one points to Bama, which I'm yeah, I don't, appalled by. I'm uh, like, wait,
1: what? <laughs> yeah. Only you know, in the last ten seasons, uh, following a loss, though, Alabama has only lost. I'm sorry, in the last eleven seasons, Alabama has only lost twice following a loss. One of those was in 2013 uh, to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl after they lost to Auburn. And then uh, the other one was, I believe, in – oh, goodness, I just had it. I need to use my Google Sphere and look at my thing again. <laughs> uh, it wasn't go, 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 go.
0: 2020. 2020, they went undefeated. 2019 didn't happen. 2018 didn't happen. Not, uh Oh my goodness. It had to be a while ago. Okay. Yeah. No, so it
1: was also one time, one time in the last 11 seasons have they lost consecutive games in a row. Um, And we all know that was kind of the year they got left out of the BCS because they lost that game to Auburn. um, And then they just didn't show up to play. They were down 21, nothing in the the first quarter of that game against Oklahoma, but you know, so Nick Saban's going to get it right. Right. He's going to tell them the rat poison and he's going to, Say all the cool things that he needs to say for the media, and those guys will come out and ready to play. So, but they need to be ready because Mike Leach is going to look to capitalize on it.
0: Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be as big of a spread as it is, um, especially with Alabama's secondary. Um, I think Will Rogers has his bounce back game. I think Alabama does need to be on upset alert um, and potentially playoff alert because if they lose this one, um, their odds of winning the West are almost sealed they still have a very odd chance of making it. Yeah. Um, they need, they need a lot of help from Ole Miss losing multiple games. Um, but yeah, it, it pretty much would was their fate for, with the sec West and the playoffs. If they lost this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would have to go with Alabama. I think Nick Saban always gets that team up after a win. Um, and I think they'll they'll take care of business. Um, Bryce Young looked great. I mean, throwing for nearly 500 yards last week. So it'll be it'll be nice to see them back at home with Jameer Gibbs and and Bryce Young healthy again. Yeah,
1: and, and just if you haven't watched an Alabama football game and you haven't seen Jameer Gibbs, go back and watch his tape in the Tennessee game because I'm telling you, he is a day one, round one NFL running back. His feet are so fast that if you were standing in front of him, he could just jolt him and he'd be gone like the flash. Um, you know, Gary Danielson had a, a bunch of hot mic takes during the game where he said, you know, I can't even call these missed tackles. You got to touch the guy to get a missed tackle. And Jameer Gibbs was just making people look silly. So that, that guy, Hey, fantasy guys, dynasty owners, that's a guy you want to draft on your team <laughs> in the future for uh fantasy 2023. So. It, it's hard
0: to believe that this kid went to Georgia tech for so many years Oof. and he and he didn't have the offers from the big name schools. I'm not sure if it was maybe he did, but he just chose to go to Georgia Tech instead. But I mean well, we, this, we know he had the
1: grades if he went to tech. So that's right? not an issue.
0: <laughs> so I mean, having a player like that just I mean, you see it all the time though. Look at um Cooper Cup out there. He went to like East Washington, Tony Romo went to like East Illinois. You have all these players that just come out of the woodwork and just put in the the work and the effort and time to become better and develop themselves. Um, So it's not hard to believe that, you know, good talent goes to Georgia Tech, um, even though the little brother or the little sibling of Georgia and Alabama and Auburn and everyone else in the region, um, especially in the ACC where they are near the bottom. um, So, just having those feel good stories for players that can get out of, of bad situations and bad teams and help themselves out for the future is good to see. And that's probably the only benefit of the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: <laughs> but um, after that, I mean, there's some other games on that you can probably tune into and watch Ole Miss LSU might be a little bit interesting down in Baton Rouge um, Lane Kiffin. Um, playing for his his first playoff appearance and SEC championship appearance. Um, yeah, and I mean while. LSU
1: LSU's kind of riding the ship. Jaden Daniels transferred to Arizona State. He's kind of figured it out. And it's clicking, and but it, you know it's. I think they're they're a couple of years away. Honestly, they got to they got to rebuild and get some talent there. It's going to take them a while to ever get to the point where they were that 2019 just world beater team. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think that's a very intriguing game in the SEC and. And Lane Kiffin, you know, he's he's on not the hot seat, but he's on the people want him to be sitting on their seats a lot. So uh, we 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 will see.
0: Yeah, that matchup last week against Auburn, I I kind of highlighted it the week before because I was like, hey, Lane Kiffin could be coaching against the team he could be coaching in the future. Um, I know Auburn is going to try to make a run at him and and make them tell him no or make them make him say no to them and they're going to throw all the money in the world out
1: of him. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot A lot of what I'm hearing is Hugh freeze is in consideration for that Auburn job in the next seat too. Um, so we'll see I, me personally. I think Lane given's good where he's at. Um, if he wants to slay the beast first, uh, take him at Old Miss, hotty toddy, good God almighty. And then, then go wherever you want and then fix the next program. So,
0: and, and it's interesting. So I just looked at the line for this one. LSU is actually the one and a half point favorite yep. over Ole Miss. Which I'm like, wait, hold up, wait, what? The Landsharks are the number seven team in the nation. Is the underdog uh, to uh, LSU? You
1: mean the Rebel Black Bear Landsharks? Sorry. <laughs> yes.
0: Hottie totty. Reb, go Rebs. <laughs> whatever. You know that that funny skit is that you you see on um, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Um, but yeah, so. Ah, man. Some of those videos there are just hilarious.
1: Oh yeah. Don't get sucked down the rabbit hole people. Go do something productive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But thank you so much, DJ. I think that covers it for this week. We've talked pretty much every sport out there. Um, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you do for the disc golf community and uh, the area in Alabama. You're a great asset to us. Um, I look forward to uh, playing some rounds with you and maybe having you on later on this year.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ron. Appreciate you guys. And uh, looking forward to to talking with you again sometime, man. And uh, thank you for for serving our country, man. I appreciate you.
0: Yes, sir. Have a great night. And I hope all you enjoyed this episode of The Vest.